Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey y'all, welcome back to the F-Bomb. So today I've got Elizabeth Oates, and she is a local foster and adopt mom, amongst other things. She is a powerhouse of a woman. She works um, at a local church and ministry, has authored three books, and is raising a family with five kiddos. So... I've wanted to have conversations with her for a while because we've known each other across, you know, we connect when this world of like foster and adopt and all the things kind of connects and we've never had an opportunity to sit down and just have a conversation. So I'm so excited you are able to make it in today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, And so this whole summer thing, I don't know about you, but the last, the last person I had on, we were talking about how like this transition into summer is just an adjustment, like for kids, for moms. And so what I was going to say is I'm sure with all the things that you're juggling as it is, like having kids home, it's a whole nother thing as well. So I yeah. appreciate you making the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. Today or this, yeah, today is my, well, this is my first summer working. And today is my first day of working and having a sitter and juggling that working mom with kids home for the summer. So I'm a little nervous how this is all going down, but we'll see. I haven't gone home yet to figure out how it's going, but I have not gotten a text from the sitter. Say, yeah. So I guess it's going fine. No emergency texts. Yeah. Like, so either it's going great or Cece and Corbin have her like tied up, tied up and, in a yeah, closet or gagged something. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either way, no one's bothering me. So I'm so fine. It's good. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Everything's fine. fine. Right. Right. I'm choosing to believe it's fine. Moms everywhere, right? Yes, oh yes, my gosh. yes. So um, we've we've crossed paths quite a few times, yeah. And I've gotten to hang out with you just a little bit, but haven't really gotten to talk to you, no, um, about your story and what's what kind of led you to foster and adoption, and yeah. I would love to hear about that. Okay, yeah. So um, the conversation about adoption started when my husband and I were newly married. We lived in Dallas and we went to a church that was involved in adoption. And um, we went on a few mission trips um, that involved um, working in orphanages. And um, so our eyes were sort of open to that. We watched a lot of families adopt, mainly through international adoption. And so uh, we had some conversations pretty early on in our marriage and said, you know, I think this is something we could do. 
Um, but then fast forward, we started having babies and had them pretty quickly. And our older three um, are all two years apart. And so we thought, wow, these kids came really fast and a little closer than we planned. And so we sort of tabled that conversation of mm-hmm. adoption. Um, when our kids were about two, four, and six, I told my husband, I said, you know, I, I feel good. Um, I feel like we can have that conversation about adoption again. And my husband said, um, I'm not there yet. Like, they're still pretty little. I think we need to hold off. Um, and so then when they were about four, six, and eight, my husband said, okay, I'm ready to talk about it again. Um, another thing that sort of came into the conversation, when I was in high school, um, as a sophomore, you know, my family had gone through a lot. Um, my parents divorced when I was really little, like two years old. And then my mom remarried and divorced when I was middle school, high school, Um, And so I lived with another family when I was a sophomore, and then I lived with another family when I was a senior. And so um, just living with these different families who took me in, um, it it really opened my eyes to the fact that if if families could take me in and give me a home at a time when I really needed that, um, I think I could open my home to a a child who needed it. and so I think that's, you know, I'd always talk to my husband about that. Like, why why couldn't we do that for a child? Like, we we can provide them stability and love, and there's so many kids out there who need it. And um, while I wasn't a foster kid, these were friends of mine who took me in. Um, I think I've always had that sort of mindset of I would love to do that for a child because I know how much it meant to me for these families to give me a home when I really needed that stability. So that's kind of what led to the conversations over many years um, and then when we were really ready, like I said, our kids were like four, six, and eight. Um, we kind of didn't know where to start. And so we reached out to a friend of ours who they had eight kids and um, they had some biological and then they had adopted um, internationally and through private domestic and they had been foster parents. And so we reached out to them and we just said, hey, this is on our heart, but we don't even know where to start. We yep. have no Well, they've idea. done the whole gamut of it. Yeah, so they had done it all. And they were so, like, well, let's talk about all these different avenues yeah. that you could pursue. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they were um, a great resource. And so they just kind of talked to us about our family dynamics and uh, our personalities. And they just said, you know, I think y'all could really handle foster care. I think you have the personality for it. And um, I think it would fit your family well. And so... We were just so naive looking back, so clueless. And um, yeah, they just said, is there anyone you know in the foster care world? And at the time in our life group, uh, we had a friend that worked for a foster care agency. And so Mm -hmm. we reached out to her and she said, this is amazing. I'm so glad. Like we need um, solid families like Mm -hmm. yours. And uh, we have an information meeting coming up. And so like two weeks later, we found ourselves at an information meeting and the rest is history. Yeah. It just kind of gets the ball rolling. Yep. Goodness gracious. So um, did you all have lots of placements come through your home? No, we we got licensed and seven weeks went by without a placement. Now we did some respite. Um, we did a few respite placements and we babysat for a lot of our foster friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did not have a single placement in that seven weeks. So it was very strange. We got a lot of phone calls and we said yes to every phone mm-hmm. call. Um, but, you know, I think while they're calling us, they're calling other families. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so they're getting placed. And so, yeah, we did not get a placement for seven weeks. Um, but our first placement was Cece, which is our daughter that we adopted. Um, so, yeah, she was our first and only placement. 
Goodness. Yeah. Well, and so what I'd like to, I guess, um, point out to people is I you've heard me say this before, but typically um, you you just don't know what to expect whenever it comes to foster care, mm-hmm. and the goal of every case is very typically reunification, mm-hmm. starting off, and then it shifts or can shift at some point in a case, and mm-hmm. it will go towards adoption if a parent isn't able to to parent long term. Mm-hmm. So that being said, and I want to reiterate again, because it happens um, where people may have the wrong idea about foster care. The goal of foster care um, isn't necessarily, if you get into foster care, um, it's not adoption. Mm -hmm. It's um, being a safe place for kids who need a safe place and some stability while their family's going through something hard. So um, I think it's interesting um, that, that she was your your first placement then ended up being your only placement. But honestly, that happened to us too. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of um, placements come through our home. Mm -hmm. It ended up that the children that were placed with us um, were all of them, their cases ended up in adoption. Yeah. So, and it's sometimes it, I guess I say all that because it makes me nervous sometimes Mm -hmm. um, sharing that for people that may not have the right idea about foster care, just maybe not right idea. Maybe, um, Appropriate expectations. Yes. Yes. We don't ever want people to go into it thinking this is an easy way to adopt a child or um, I'm going to go into it thinking my first place is going to be adoption. And I will say, again, we were so naive. Yeah. Even though we had a ton of friends. Oh, a ton. I don't. I shouldn't say a ton. We had we had made a lot of friends through mm-hmm. this journey. Um, I had a group of moms that I went to dinner with once a month that were all foster moms. Um, and so I listened to all of their stories and a lot of them had gone through several placements. So I, I knew it in the back of my mind, but I also knew Cece had older siblings who'd been adopted out. Um, so with her, I, I felt like the odds were she would probably be up for adoption, um, just based on those dynamics. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, statistically a lot of them go to family or back Mm -hmm. to their parents and so yeah it's good to keep that in your mind well and it good like kind of you said like you thought maybe it would go this way but um we I think one of the things about being naive and being in foster care is you learn very quickly that you just don't know what to expect. You have no idea. It is when they say it's an emotional roller coaster, they are not lying. It is up and down and sideways and backwards. Uh-huh. And I remember I you know, I tell people this story. I I remember at one point it looked like she was not going to stay with us and I was texting our attorney. Um I remember I was in the bathroom and I I literally texted him these words. I said, Is this the beginning of the end? And he said, just one word. He said, Yes. And I almost lost my mind. (laughs) And, you know, I just, I I couldn't imagine saying goodbye to her. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. you know, you literally, you grow to love these kids. Like they are your very own flesh and blood kids, which is what you're called to do. But you're also called to let them go at any moment. And it's just a, it's the most difficult, bewildering dichotomy in the world. Because it's so counterintuitive. Yes. Like you grow to love somebody and what you do is you build a relationship with them and we want dependability mm-hmm. and stability. That's how we are. Security. That's right. That's how we are wired. Um, and then to, to love a child the way that they deserve to be loved mm-hmm. and be willing to have an open hand yeah. and let them go, it is against what is natural. Yeah, I was just about to say, yep. it's unnatural. That's right. And yet 
we're called to do it. And I remember someone saying, if she leaves, what will you do? And I said, I will crawl in bed and I will grieve because it will feel like a death. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get up because I have three kids to take care of and I will do it all over again. And they were like, you are crazy. Like you'll do this again. And I'll, I was said, of course I will. That's what, it's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. And I, they literally, they thought we were insane. Um, and I think people, they hear this and they're probably like, well, that's easy for you to say. You didn't have to do that. You, you know, you kept her and, and that's true. I mean, we, we didn't have to go through that, but I mean, we were, literally like hours mm-hmm. away from Us too. saying goodbye yep. and and so I think we did go through all of those emotions mm-hmm. and what ifs and you know mm-hmm. I remember like literally thinking through what clothes am I going to pack for her and mm-hmm. envisioning saying goodbye and where am I going to send the kids mm-hmm. when she leaves and like I'm tearing up just thinking about it it's so mm-hmm. gut-wrenching yeah um but it is what you're called to do and if you can't, if you can't allow yourself to do that, then mm-hmm. it's not the journey for you. But that's right, um, and that's and that may sound harsh to hear. Yeah, but it's true. We all it's have true. limits. <laughs> we all have limits, yeah. and it's so good to know what our limits are. And if just because you may not be called or be ready to step in the role of foster parent, doesn't mean you can't be involved. There are so yeah. many other ways, so many ways to be involved in foster care, but. If your right thing, if you think your right thing is foster care and to be a foster parent, Mm -hmm. then that is the reality of the situation is it is difficult. And what you are essentially at at its root, what you're essentially doing is you're sacrificing your heart Mm -hmm. and signing up for heartbreak. Yeah. So that a child can have stability Mm -hmm. and safety while they're in care. Yeah. And so... If you're looking for like a guarantee, like this is not, this is not it. But if you know what you're getting into and have appropriate expectations and you're willing to love a kiddo so much it hurts and then send them, if, if, if it's safe and appropriate, send them off. This is an avenue that you should definitely be exploring, but it's it, not easy. We're making it sound like super appealing to people, <laughs> you know, but I think that's part of and maybe I'm wrong. I wish I had like some sort of like statistical data or something like that. But I think that sometimes that is is the thing that causes people to burn out. Yeah. And yeah. not want to be involved in foster care and tell anyone in their friend groups that's listening how terrible and horrible it was and how much it hurt them and blah, 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 which is true if you don't have appropriate expectations. Yeah. And I think that we also have some wonderful, maybe even those same families that if given appropriate expectations and given um, a safe place to vent and reach for support, um, they can make a more informed decision mm-hmm. and decide if foster care is right for them. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate um, honesty. Mm-hmm. Even what do I, I say? Sometimes I'd really rather, always rather, Ugly truths to pretty lies. Oh, yeah, that's good. I believe that. Like, yeah. I'd rather, even if it's hurts, yeah. I want to know the truth. I want to know how hard. Rather than pretty lies. Yeah, I want to know how hard it's going to be. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Don't sugarcoat you can, it. You, you can, as much as you can, prepare yourself. Yeah. And so I think that that is a necessary way to equip families moving forward is that it is really, really hard. And mm-hmm. you're signing up for lots. Yeah. 
because the goal of foster care, foster care tends to be reunification. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, you and I both know that sometimes that that's not what happens. Doesn't always work out. Um, and then it ends up in adoption, which is wonderful and beautiful and something to celebrate. But again, you and I both know it. Also, it is a loss. It is a loss um, for that biological family, mm-hmm. and even um, whenever it is, and it should always be the the right choice and what's safest for the kid to to be parented in adoption rather than with biological family. Like that should be why it's happening. But gosh, in those situations, um, what I've heard from children who have experienced that and have either grown up or been involved in foster care is it's still loss. Mm -hmm. There is memories that they'll never make and familiarity that they'll never gain again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's still loss. And so I'm always trying to do a a good job and mine are little, so it hasn't come up in big things yet, Mm -hmm. but balancing that between like being so very, very excited and thankful that my children are home with me Mm -hmm. and I get to parent them and experience all these things with them but also knowing that there's family out there that's missing out and you know what they're missing out too yeah look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is. It's that tension. It's hard. It's and it's like living in the tension, like yeah. being like, okay, I'm here signing up to live in this weird space, mm-hmm. knowing it's going to be hard. So again, like community and having people to talk to. I'm sure that was amazing. Getting to go out to eat with that group of foster moms yes. who, like, told you stories and yes. you got to see what was normal, what was maybe not so normal, but still happens. And yes, they were my lifeline, and we would just. Yeah, we would talk about our foster kids, our bio kids. We would complain about our caseworkers. <laughs> <laughs> All the things. All the things. Yes. yes. It was awesome. It matters. It matters it having does. people who get where you're going, get yes. where you are. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. So um, you're a five-kid family. Yes. And so you've got three that were biological. Yes. And two that came to you from adoption. Yes. So we, yes, we fostered Cece, adopted her. About three months later, got a call for Corbin, who is Cece's half-brother, um, fostered him and adopted him probably about a year and a half later. Yeah. So, yeah. And I will say, you know, <laughs> we talked about how hard it is, that reality of saying goodbye. Sometimes it's really difficult, the reality of saying 
yes to a placement. I mean, when mm -hmm. Corbin came along, we were like, wait, what? Like, we thought we were done. We had two boys, two girls, four kids is a lot. And now we're being asked to do this all over again. Like, you know, we had to face the reality of five kids, which, mm -hmm. I mean, I thought three kids was a big family. Then we had four and now five, like, I mean, I know you have six, so you're like, wait, oh, wait, wait, eight. Oh my gosh. Okay. never mind. So you're thinking like five, calm down. No, I'm um, not. I'm <laughs> not. I'm, what I'm thinking is here's another mom who's had to weigh the same things that I had yeah, to weigh. It's and it really is. Do we have capacity to do this? Yeah. Do we have capacity to parent this new child well and continue to parent our other children well? And not just capacity, like, and are we willing, but also, do we have the time? Do we have the financial stability? Do we have the energy and is our health and like all of the things, am I going to be able to do this and do this well? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, and you don't know. I mean, you don't know at the time when you're saying, yes, am I going to have the capacity to pour into all these kids? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't know. And, and you just take a leap of faith and you do it. Mm -hmm. And here we are five years late, six years later. And we're like, I, I don't feel like I have the capacity, but I'm doing it and yep. I'm doing the best I can. But most days I feel like I'm failing miserably and you know, I'm yep. so tired and I'm just trying to power through and I'm missing half their games because I'm at another kid's game. And mm -hmm. it's so hard. It is so incredibly hard. We only had three kids this weekend. Two were at their cousins and my husband and I just looked at each other and we thought, we are a normal size family driving a normal size car for a change. And this is amazing. And, yep. you know, it was just such a reality check of when we think life's hard with five kids, it, we're not imagining it. It really is. Like, we need to give ourselves a little more grace. Like, this really is oh. hard. Yes. I think I needed to hear that. Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs> it because was. I think yeah, we tend was, to be hard on ourselves. Yeah, we you know? are. We like, are. we should, you know be able to make it to all the things we should be able to stretch ourselves a little bit farther uh -huh. we should and there's all this should going on and I think a lot of times for me at least the should just comes from me like yes, I'm the totally. only one shooting on yes, myself it's so it's true me. it is so true and um it's good to remember my like, bar is a lot my bar is so high for myself and just the expectations I have for myself as a mom and this weekend was a good reality check of okay I need to lower that bar a little bit there's only one of me and there's five of them and mm -hmm. I'm never going to, I'm never going to meet the expectations I have for myself. And so I need to, I need to relax a little bit. Yep. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Ah, that was good. Thanks for that. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So your involvement in foster care now, are y'all still involved in some capacity? Oh, that's a great question. We're, we're not, we probably should be. Ah, um, there's no should, remember? Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I will say now. Our involvement is probably just um, supporting other families yeah. as far as providing encouragement, providing resources. If they're ever, if they ever come to us, we're like, hey, here's who you need to talk to. Mm -hmm. This is the agency you need to go talk to. Yeah. Um, we are happy to provide diapers uh, mm -hmm. like for local yeah. agencies. We, pr we provide all the gift cards and diapers yeah. and all of that. We are happy to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's we, your new place now. That is our new place. We don't have the capacity mm -hmm. to do the respite or the babysitting anymore. Um, like I said, we barely make it to our own kids' activities. Yep. We just we don't have the time well, or capacity And again, that's, for that's the other one stuff. of those things that we've been talking about recently or I've been talking about recently is boundaries yeah. and setting your own boundaries and knowing what is right for your family mm -hmm. and it sounds like for a season, 
foster care was right for your family. Yeah. And that now it's a different season and you're doing what whatever it is your right thing is in yeah. this world of foster care, you're doing that. Yeah, I have a lot of moms that reach out to me and will ask me a lot of questions, like they're getting certified or they're thinking about it, and they and I am happy to always talk on the phone or Vox or Marco Polo with them mm-hmm. and answer their questions or point them in the right direction. So I feel like that's what I do now. I feel like I'm more of a resource or a sounding board. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't do a whole lot. Um, we have a ministry at our church and. Um, I'm kind of trying to help strengthen that a little bit um, just as far as, hey, let's maybe they don't have childcare right now. So, hey, maybe let's try and move this to a night where the church can provide Mm -hmm. childcare. So things like that. I'm like, any way that I can help uh, provide resources Mm -hmm. or strengthen the resources that we already have, I'm happy to do that. But as far as my direct involvement, I'm truly just trying to support the kids in my own home right now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where you need to be right now. That is perfect. Well, um, before before I let you go, I want to know, and I know we talked about this just briefly, but your F-bomb moment. Was there a moment or a season or maybe it's a combination of moments um, where you kind of thought about this whole foster care thing in relation to who you are and how you are and thought, oh, man, I am never going to be the same again because of this foster care experience? Yes, um, so our kids' bio mom um, wrote us a letter uh, at one point, and this was a few years ago, um, but she had gotten out of jail and she wrote us this letter and just basically said, I would love for you to know more about me than just what's on paper, basically what we've read about her. Um, and all throughout our fostering journey, you know, it's like you hear about the bio parents from the caseworkers and um, maybe you see them at court, and but they're very one-dimensional figures. Um, and I had great empathy for her. Um, but I also knew my job was to love these kids. And, um, so I was pretty good at compartmentalizing. (laughs) And when she wrote us this letter, um, I felt like God was opening the door to, uh, reach out to her. And, um, so we reached out to her and we slowly started forming a relationship with her. Um, I started meeting with her one-on-one and I did that just like her and I just met, um, for probably, I don't know, close to a year. And I formed a relationship with her. And after that, um, started introducing her to the kids and it just really, um, opened my eyes to, um, you know, we, we, we all have a story and I know this, I mean, I do not come from a perfect family. I have, I come from a very, uh, dysfunctional family. I mean, obviously I shared, I, I lived with two different families when I was in high school. Um, I have, you know, my own history and um, I know we all have our own stories, but it really opened my eyes to uh, just her story and, and, and things that she went through and how it led to decisions that she made. Um, and I just loved getting to know her as a person and who she is. And she is so sweet and so kind and she has had a really hard life and um, I just like, I kind of see her as like a younger sister, you know, and, um, I just love the time that I've spent with her and I've loved that I've been able to, um, connect with her. And now we, um, we see her and the, the kids see her probably every, once every three to four months and, um, we'll go to the park or we'll go to a restaurant or something like that. And she has completely, 
uh, turned her life around. I mean, it is the most beautiful story of God's redemption and restoration. And I mean, it's like something I could never, uh, I could never like write it or make it up. Like it's totally God's working and, um, it's, it's so great. And I mean, the kids, you know, they're still young, they're five and seven. So they, um, I don't know that they fully understand foster care and adoption, but to the best of their ability, they do. And I really, you know, you always hear kids do better and statistics say they do better with open adoption. And I think open foster care is probably less common. Um, but I'm really thankful that God has, like you said, kind of blown up <laughs> maybe what I envisioned that our journey would look like um, with this. And so, yeah, I mean, the kids have done great, I think, in um, receiving her into their lives. And is is it awkward sometimes? Sure. Is it weird? Yes. Like they're literally, we always say there's no parenting handbook. There's definitely no handbook on how to build a relationship with your foster to adopt kids bio mom. I mean, there's no, no prescription on how to do this. Um, so we just make it up as we go along. I feel like we are muddling our way through. I'm sure we're making mistakes left and right, but we are both like figuring it out as we go and we're just doing the best we can. I think we both uh, have done a good job of giving each other grace. So I'm really thankful for that. And we'll, we'll just continue to see how it goes. I don't know. It's, we're making it up as we go. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And gosh, that story of how she turned her life around, like, yeah, that's the hope. It is a miracle. She is a miracle story. I am so proud of her and I'm thankful for all the work she's done. It's just like you. she, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, you should be so proud of yourself. And she'll say, she'll say, I am. <laughs> Good. I'm like, Good. Good. You should be. Way to get, well, and listen, so I, we don't have exactly the same story, but I do have a, a relationship and a similar story with my um, daughter's bio mom. Mm-hmm. And again, she is, she loves them so much. Mm-hmm. She is one of the strongest, most generous genuinely kind Mm -hmm. individuals I've ever met in my whole life. And because of her story, Mm -hmm. like she has every excuse not to be, Mm -hmm. you know, but she didn't allow it to make her heart, her heart hard. She, and she just keeps being loving and wonderful. And again, like, I'm sure you understand this, but like, I always feel like she teaches me um, she doesn't even know she's doing it, but how to love people well and like give them grace because again, she has every excuse to like be bitter towards me mm-hmm. and not be kind to me and not like me, but yeah. around every corner, she is loving and sweet and generous and kind and understanding. And she just blows me away. Yeah. And every triumph of hers is just a miracle. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I feel the same. Awesome. I love that. It's so great. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing yeah. all the things. And I'd love to have you on again eventually. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It was fun. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media. And you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.